Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager and football writer at Wisports.net. We're smack dab in the stretch run of the regular season for boys and girls basketball right now with the girls playoff brackets already out, playoffs beginning next week. Boys seeding meetings held around the state of Wisconsin this weekend. And then the boys playoffs getting uh, going in a couple weeks here. But on this edition of the WSN podcast, we're going to have kind of a a football-heavy focus. Why, you ask? Well, we're going to have a special edition of the WSN podcast out tomorrow that will be all about previewing the girls' basketball playoffs with Norbert Durst. We'll give it its own uh, highlight. We'll spend a little bit more time on things, get all the insight and analysis from Norbert. Um, and we'll do that as a special edition. But today we're going to talk football. I know it's not football season, but there was quite a bit of football news in the last week or so. You had the NFHS coming out with rules changes for the 2019 football season. You had the WFCA and WIAA releasing an updated uh, 2020 football-only statewide realignment conference assignments. Also had player rankings for the junior class, that'd be the class of 2020, coming out on Wisports.net this week. So quite a bit of football going on, and we're going to talk about it today. And again, we'll have loads of basketball talk tomorrow with Norbert on our girls' basketball preview. We'll have loads of boys' basketball talk with Mark Miller next week after the seating meetings are held and the brackets come out. Uh, so don't worry, you'll you'll be able to get your hoops fix on the podcast in the next week or so. But let's get to some of these items related to high school football, and let's start with uh, the the rules changes. And as a note, as a reminder, playing rules are established by the National Federation of State High School Associations. That's the NFHS. We call it for short. That's the governing body for high school athletics in the state of Wisconsin. That's what the WIAA belongs to. That's what every state association belongs to. And uh, they determine the playing rules. And then that's uh, obviously filtered down and uh, applies to each of the states. So a couple of notable items in the playing rules that will change for 2019. Number one, the play clock. It, It had been in high school football different than college in in the NFL for the last few years. And in high school football, it was a 25-second clock that began after the ball was spotted following the previous play. And after everything was marked ready for play, there was a ready-for-play whistle by the referee, and then a 25-second clock started from there. What is going to happen now and is going to uh, be in line with what is done in college in the NFL, it will be a 40-second clock that will begin immediately after the end of the last play after the uh, previous play is declared dead by a game official. So what that will do is it will standardize the time between plays because in a 25-second clock, there were some uh, officiating crews that were very efficient that moved quickly to get the ball spotted and get the the ready-for-play whistle going and the play clock going. There were other crews that, that I saw over the years where they moved a little slower, and sometimes it was a minute between plays By the time they got a new ball in, kind of moseyed on over, got the ball set down, 
looked around to make sure everybody was ready, stepped back a few paces, uh, the referee look around at everybody, and then start the ready for play whistle and, and play clock. And so this will bring things standardized, I think, overall, maybe not for every crew, but for overall in the state of Wisconsin, it should uh, result in a little bit quicker uh, pace of action uh, with a standardized 40-second clock. Now, there will still be a 25-second clock after timeouts, um, penalties, uh, beginning and end of a period after a score, etc. There will still be a, a few times where a 25-second clock will apply. Uh, but uh, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll, it, I don't think it'll change things drastically, but in terms of game administration, in terms of uh, the, the flow of the game, I think it will be a, uh, a good change. Um, another rule that uh, will impact the state of Wisconsin was that by state uh, adoption, each state can now choose whether they would like to use uh, replay or video replay uh, approved by the NFHS. And just a few weeks ago, the WI Board of Control already approved the use of video replay in the state finals only once it was approved by the NFHS. And so now that it's been approved by the NFHS, we'll have video replay in the state finals. Now, I think it will be this year. Uh, it's not set in stone uh, because they still have to work out how it's going to work. The, the NFHS essentially leaves it up to the states to say, what will you make reviewable? How will that review process work? Who will be the re, uh, video replay official? Is it going to be a challenge system? Is it going to be a buzz down from the booth system? All of those things need to be determined and figured out um, before it can be fully implemented in the state of Wisconsin. Wade Lebecki, who oversees uh, the, the sport of football for the WIAA, uh, has already worked on some ideas and I think we'll have a plan in place. So I think we will see video replay in the state finals only this year. Uh, and again, it's just a matter of figuring out the logistics and, and also the technology with how it's all going to work. Um, there have been a few controversial calls at times in the state finals over the last couple of years, and maybe those instances would have triggered a review of some kind. Uh, but now we'll have that opportunity, whereas previously they did not. Uh, one item that there was some questions on, uh, and this was discussed even amongst officials I saw, was the uh, a change. Uh, it, it doesn't really change what it's doing. It just kind of changes an official what what officials are looking for, and that is, uh, it used to be that you were required to have seven men on the line of scrimmage, and if you did not have seven men on the line of scrimmage, it was a penalty. Uh, now it says that you have to have at least five people on the line of scrimmage with no more than four backs. And really all this does is it means if you happen to run a play with uh, or line up with 10 people on offense and you have six people on the line of scrimmage but four backs, that is now a legal play, a legal formation, um, because now you don't have to have seven on the line. You just have you just have to have four in the backfield with at least five on the line. Um, it makes it easier for the officials. Instead of counting how many people are on the line of scrimmage, now they count how many people are in the backfield. It's a lot easier to see the backs and a lot easier to count to four than it is to see all of the people all the way across the field that are lined up on the line of scrimmage and make sure that it's seven. So this is just kind of a cleanup of, uh, doesn't change what the rule does, 
but it does uh, simplify the process. And, and I again, I did see that there was some confusion on what it meant or how it was going to change things. It, it's really no change, just kind of a uh, almost an editorial or or clarification to make it easier for the officials to do what they have already been doing. So that's some of the rules changes this year. Um, the other item, kind of off the field, uh, not coming from the NFHS, but coming from the WIAA and also the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association, was an update on the statewide football-only conference realignment proposal that was originally published and uh, originally presented last July. Uh, it was a culmination of... of six months, actually more than six months at that time, of of work by a committee that I was a part of uh, to look into standardizing the uh, the way conferences work in the state of Wisconsin for football, um, bringing uniformity to the number of teams in a conference, bringing uniformity to the number of games and uh, played that uh, count for uh, conference. Uh, the, the initial proposal last July had uh, a... Uh, a plan for assigning every team in the state to a conference. Some teams had to move around because you have conferences right now of anywhere from five to 10. And so to get everybody to either eight or perhaps a seven with a sister conference, uh, a sistered seven team conference, there were changes that had to be made. Now it had to be updated again because uh, on December 1st, there were 18 teams that announced that they were officially moving from 11-player football to 8-player football by the 2020 season. 18 teams making the move. So that creates a a large number of uh, issues that have to be addressed. Uh, There was also a few co-op adjustments. Um, There wasn't any new programs, but there were some adjustments to what teams were in a co-op that that had to be accounted for as well. Uh, and that that uh, officially came through February 1st. So uh, the committee that, uh, again, I was uh, have been a part of met February 6th at the WIA office, reviewed how all of the, those changes, the uh, player teams moving to eight-player football, the changes in cooperative programs, also just kind of looking across the board and figuring out, okay, you know, what's going to work best, kind of reviewing feedback from some of the schools uh, that, that had been reviewing the plan initially, and uh, had to make some tough choices, had to make some updates to the plan. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I'm biased, I'm part of the committee, but I think overall, I think it uh, it turned out, you know, pretty well. Um, it is a difficult task. I, I honestly don't think people truly understand and appreciate how difficult it is to do alignment for the entire state of Wisconsin. I understand that there are concerns out there uh, from this plan that a a team might not be in an ideal situation, that they might have some significant travel now, that they might have been moved to a different group, that they might be a smaller team in in a conference now. I, I understand all of those ramifications and what it means for those programs, um, what what we tried to do on the committee was just do what was best for the most people, what, what was best overall, and that is a very, very difficult thing, especially 
Uh, if you look in the northern part of the state at some of the big schools, there's just not many up there. And so you, you don't have a lot of options on where to go and what to do with uh, certain groups of teams or, or a team here or there. Um, you know, there were some spots where we were one team short of really, I, I think, having a pretty good handle on uh, being able to do some things that uh, would have made some situations better. Um, and it, it just didn't work out that way, unfortunately, in some in some cases. So uh, a lot of work went into that plan. Uh, I can I can assure you that there was a lot of feedback that was that was heard. I, I know that there were some uh, some areas, some schools, coaches that uh, had some negative feedback about this plan. And, and again, it's understandable. Um, you, you hope that people appreciate not only the work that went into it, but again, the the difficulty in doing this from a statewide perspective. Uh, I have told people for years that doing this would be much more difficult than what they think it would be. Uh, because, you know, people understandably look at things, how does it impact me? How does it impact my situation, my school? Um, you know, I, I can look over here and I can I can grab these seven other schools and, and this is the best fit for me. Well, okay, it might be the best fit for you, but what does it do to everything else around and, and how does it make everything else work? So certainly some difficult choices that had to be made. Um, and, and there still is a, a process where things will be reviewed and, and available to be changed uh, going through the WIAA process. Uh, the WI Board of Control is expected to review uh, this proposal on March 1st and do expect them to vote on it at that time. Quite honestly, I do expect them to approve it at that time uh, because they have already approved and, and greenlit statewide realignment for 2020. So this is just the actual plan that will be used. And if they don't approve this plan, then they've got to put something else in place. They've got to have something else set to go because if this doesn't pass, they've already said something will and they'll have to figure something else out. They could make a few changes here or there. I, I do expect that there will be some schools that will uh, file, maybe not an official request, but they'll they'll put in a request or they'll have a, a consideration they would like to uh, have reviewed. Maybe, uh, probably, even some schools that will attend that uh, March 1st meeting, since it is technically a conference realignment decision. Uh, they will have the opportunity to speak, uh, indicate why they support it or don't support it. Hopefully they have options ready for uh, fixing what they don't like, um, not just we don't like this. Uh, and uh, so we'll see. The, again, they might the, the board of control has the full authority to do whatever they want with this. They could change a team here or there. They could change the whole thing if they want to ultimately. Um, but this is what was put together by the uh, the committee from the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association in partnership with the WIAA, working closely with Wade Lebecki. Uh, Dave Anderson was also uh, involved in the process and kept abreast of uh, what was uh, going on. So uh, ultimately, um, a lot of work went into it. And again, uh, I don't think people understand quite how difficult it is. Uh, even people that were on the committee, um, you know, I, I've kind of Done, not done this per se, but have followed the realignment process for, for years and years and just 
understanding how difficult it is for you know, the Northeast Conference realignment that went through a few years ago, the Southeast realignment that went through a couple of years ago, the Southwest realignment that is uh, going into effect in 2019. I mean, understanding how difficult those things were and how you might make 27 out of 30 schools happy, you'd still have three that are going to complain or in, in understandably in a lot of situations have a complaint. Um, I, I just knew that it was going to be a lot tougher to do than than what maybe people felt. And sure enough, that's what's happened. Uh, and again, without getting into specific situations on on uh, schools or, or whatever in the plan, do understand uh, that, like I said, some schools aren't in the perfect situation. Some schools may be in a, uh, a more challenging situation, either enrollment-wise, uh, location-wise, etc. But ultimately, making all of the pieces fit, making 378 pieces, 376, excuse me, pieces fit together is very, very difficult. And, and I don't, uh, I don't know that people, uh, you know, understand just how different the landscape is now compared to just a few years ago. I mean, we're only five to eight years removed from having close to 425 11 player football programs in Wisconsin. And we're now down to 376 for the 2020 year. That's a lot of schools that are, uh, moving or changing, dropping to eight-player uh, eight football, et cetera, that you have to account for. And as more schools get pulled out in some places, especially in the northern part of the state, it, it creates a situation where there's just not a lot of schools similar in size and, and everything in a you know relatively close proximity. It really makes it difficult to, uh, to find spots for those programs. So again, March 1st is the next date to pay attention to on this. That will be at the Board of Control meeting, and uh, this plan will be up for consideration. Let's move on from conference realignment, which is a controversial enough topic. And let's take a look at the player rankings that we released on Wisports.net this week. Uh, recording this on Wednesday, the 26 through 50 spots came out earlier today on wisports.net. And then we'll have our number one through number 25 that will come out tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, uh, on wisports.net. Just kind of looking in general at this class of 2020, the junior class, have said it for over a year and, and continue to feel that this is a really, really strong group, really, really good at the top. There's already a number of... Uh, Players committed to uh, Big Ten programs. Um, I think seven committed to division. Excuse me, to uh, Big Ten programs already, and uh, some other very good kids that have already gotten Division One offers. In uh, really, really good depth as well. As you look over, you know, spots twelve to fifteen, all the way down to thirty-five to forty. Really difficult to find a lot of separation between those kids and. There's a lot of players that ended up in the 26 to 50 range right now that are getting very good Division I interest that will end up as Division I football players of some kind, whether it's uh, FCS level with one of the Dakota schools maybe or Northern Iowa, Illinois State, etc. Maybe a MAC-type team, Northern Illinois, uh, Miami of Ohio has been in hard, Buffalo, etc., Western Michigan. Maybe even kids that will 
pop up and uh, and earn a BCS uh, Big Ten type offer. Um, there's probably kids that are off the list right now, off of the top 50. Uh, certainly there are kids that are off the top 50 that will end up as Division One type of players and um, maybe even some sleepers out there that will uh, that will get those higher level offers. So a very, very strong group this year. Uh, not surprisingly, very, very strong on the offensive line. Three offensive linemen have already committed to Wisconsin. If you consider uh, Ben Barton from Stratford, if you, if you consider him on the offensive line, he's a, a kid that could play offense or defense at the next level. Um, little uh, little preview, if you will, of, of what will be out tomorrow. But I had a very difficult time breaking down who was going to be the number one prospect in this class. It came down to two players, two players that I think have uh, a lot in common in a lot of ways and two players that are very, very good. Stoughton offensive lineman Jake Nelson and Kettle Moraine offensive lineman Trey Wiedig. Uh, Wiedig runs 6'7", 302 is what he was listed at last year. Nelson 6'6", to 6'7". He's probably up around 275, maybe closer to you know 290 by now, depending on what uh, what he's doing, although I know he plays basketball, so he might actually be trimmed down a little bit. Um, but uh, two very, very good kids. I got a chance to see Nelson a couple times in person last year and was very impressed with him. Uh, in terms of in person, he's probably the best offensive lineman from the uh, state that I have seen since uh, probably Jaden Galt, who uh, was from Monona Grove, outstanding player, ended up having some injury issues his senior year in high school and some injury issues at the University of Wisconsin that prevented him from uh, fulfilling his his potential, but when Galt was a sophomore and, and a junior, I, I thought he was the one of the best offensive linemen I've seen in the state, and I think Nelson is right up there. I have not got a chance to see Wiedig in person, um, but looking at his film and, and everything else, he's very, very impressive. Um, kind of maybe mirrors the debate a few years ago of uh, between Ben uh, Bredesen from Arrowhead and Cole Van Landen from Bayport, two kids that were both outstanding. Bredesen ended up at uh, Michigan, Van Landen's at Wisconsin. Both have done very well for themselves so far and have, uh, I think, NFL uh, futures and potential. Those are two kids that I did not get to see live uh, myself either uh, at that time, but um, again, kind of shaping up for a similar debate. Wiedig or Nelson? I went back and forth on it a little bit. Ultimately, I do have... Trey Wiedig from Kettle Moraine as our number one player in the junior class in the state of Wisconsin, and Nelson coming in at number two. But again, there's a lot of really good kids on this list, and if you look at my top ten right now, uh, seven kids that have uh, that have committed to the Big Ten, another kid that's got a Big Ten offer, a couple other kids that are uh, have already gotten some uh, some other type of uh, of offers and will be very good. Um, Really, really, really good group. Uh, as you would expect, pretty strong on the offensive line. Uh, you have Wiedig, Nelson, Ben Barton, all committed to Wisconsin. Also guys like Gunnar Killen from Verona, Braden Doyle from Bayport, Sean Timmis from Marquette, uh, Tanner uh, Bordellini from Kiwani, Evan Boss from Kimberly. Just a, a really strong offensive line group. Pretty good group of linebackers as well. And how about, let's talk about linebackers for a second. And you have to talk about Catholic Memorial. 
three kids, three linebackers from Catholic Memorial are in my top 50 in the state of Wisconsin, and all three are getting legitimate Division I interest. You already have Cole Datkovich, who is committed to Wisconsin, uh, uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know if hidden gem is the right word, but a kid that played basketball uh, growing up, and that was kind of his uh, primary sport, did not play football in high school until his junior year. The coaches at, Ca- at Catholic Memorial had uh, been on him, encouraged him to go out for football. You look at him, he's 6'5", 230 pounds roughly, and very athletic, and, and they felt that you know, he had really big potential on the football field. Sure enough, he, he comes out for football and is, uh, certainly invests himself in the game and ends up uh, being an honorable mention All-State kid, uh, earns a scholarship offer from Wisconsin, and did commit to Wisconsin. Then you have Ben Kryle, uh, more of an inside linebacker compared to Dakovich, who's either an outside linebacker, maybe a defensive end, although I know the Catholic Memorial coaches like him, uh, like his potential at tight end as well. Kryle's more of the, the inside type of guy at the linebacker spot, had offers from Purdue, Iowa State, Nebraska, also Western Michigan, and did give a commitment to Purdue. Uh, very active uh, uh, inside linebacker, good athlete, uh, good good pop. Um and he was joined by Joey Gates, who is uh, another linebacker from Catholic Memorial, that while he does not have that D1 offer quite yet, I think he will. Uh, right now, Gates, I have rated uh, number 33 in the senior class, both Dakovich and uh, Kryle, uh in the top 10. Um, but man, uh, I don't know if we've seen a better collection of linebackers, at least linebacking prospects in the state of Wisconsin, than what Catholic Memorial has in this class. So very impressive group there. Um, and, and again, the the top players on the list, a lot of linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, a uh, few skill position kids, though, too. How about uh, uh, Chamir Dike from Waukesha North, uh, first receiver from the state of Wisconsin, committed to Wisconsin since Jazz Peavy from Kenosha Tremper, I think he was in the class of 2013, if I remember correctly. So been a few years since uh, Wisconsin grabbed a receiver from the state. Some pretty good running back prospects in this crew, uh, crew as well. None that have that high-level D1 offer yet. I mean, there's not a, uh, a Melvin Gordon, um, you know, uh, who, who am I missing? Uh, um just a, a number of guys that have come out of Wisconsin the last few years. Julius Davis from Menominee Falls, uh, Torin Young from uh, Monona Grove. You know those kinds of guys that have gone on to the Big Ten type programs. No, nobody quite like that, but some very good players. Uh, you talk about Rashad Lampkin from Brookfield Central, Tyler Tenner from Racine Lutheran, who I was very impressed with last year. Just uh, a, a bull to bring down. Isaiah Gash from uh, Bayport. Uh, a few others that are are in the mix as well. Quarterbacks, uh, not anybody that's jumping off the page as a surefire D1 type of player right now. A lot of guys that are getting that interest. And, and as I always say, quarterback is such a different animal in recruiting than any other position. It, it You see kids all the time, and we've seen it with guys like Sean McGuire from Franklin, James uh, Morgan from Ashwaubenon, and a few others over the years where uh, even Max Alba from Franklin where you know, there's there's colleges that only offer one quarterback at a time. They might offer 20 offensive linemen at a time, but they only have one offer to a quarterback at any given time. And so, 
you got to wait your turn sometimes if you're kind of that fringe D1 type of prospect. So some good potential in that group. Uh, guys like Johnny Kelleher from Waukesha uh, North, uh, Johnny Davis from Lacrosse Central, although all indications are that, that he's going to focus on basketball at the next level. I think he could have had some possibilities in, uh, in football. Another multi-sport kid, um, Luke Fox from Catholic Memorial, very impressive, slinging it around the lefty in the uh, state championship game as they came back to beat West Pier. Uh, so some good potential there. And like I said, just in general, very, very strong depth, maybe more than anything uh, in this 2020 class. And, uh, you know, I've already gotten some feedback, already got a couple emails. Why isn't my son rated higher? He dominated in seventh grade and, and every other uh, reason. Uh, you know, it's a tough process. Uh, I'm not saying it's uh, an exact science by any means. I'm not saying I'm 100% right by any means. Ultimately, what I think doesn't matter a ton. I don't give out college scholarships. So, you know, if, if, uh, if a college coach likes you, it likes you better than a kid I have ranked higher, great, good. That's, that's, uh, that's what you should want and hope for. Um, but uh, uh, do look forward to getting some, uh, some of the feedback, not only from, you know, players and what have you, but also the high school coaches and also college coaches. There's already uh, been a handful of, uh, of college coaches that have reached out and uh, kind of wanted to get an update on, on where things stood in the state of Wisconsin. So we'll be sending that information out here soon. Uh, but a very, very strong group in 2020. Uh, this will be just uh, so everybody kind of uh, is updated. We will update this in July uh, with a, uh, a revamped uh, player rankings for that 2020 class as we uh, are able to review additional film, see kids in person, get a feel for them at the uh, WFCA Combine, get some more info on them from their testing times, from you know, updated uh, height and weight information, measurables, etc. cetera. Uh, hopefully get a chance to see kids work out in some other situations, get feedback uh, from more coaches, college and high school coaches. You know, kids will get out to a lot of these camps now in, uh, in June and, and uh, we'll be able to kind of get some more information there. Uh, a lot of these college camps, um, you'll see kids get offered from those. So uh, again, more information to review, even though there's not necessarily games that will be played between now and July, there is more information that will be available. So in July, we'll come out and uh, produce not only a, a updated top 50 overall, but also a position by position rankings where we'll do top 15 for most of the positions. Uh, some of them, uh, we might only do a top 10, for instance, but um, look for that information coming out in July. And uh Really looking forward to seeing how this class develops. There's some kids that I'm kind of keeping my eye on is, uh, you know, I, I think have some good interest right now and have the potential to really, I think, make a pretty significant impression over the next few months if they can get in front of college coaches and perform well. Uh, I, th I think some hidden gem type of kids that will develop and, uh, and emerge here in the next few months. So... If, uh, if, if you got some feedback, send it on. Uh, certainly never uh, turn that away. Um, and it is kind of interesting, you know, hearing from folks that don't like where little Johnny is ranked, and they'll tell you every reason why. Um, you know, our, our standard response, we're, we're not going to necessarily debate where kids are or, you know, get into, you know, too many details. So 
you know, our, our, our standard response is, you know, we, we, we review film, we talk to coaches, we look at, um, you know, stats and awards information. Uh, we do in-person evaluations as well, just like we do for all of our player rankings, not only in football, but also in boys and girls basketball. All goes into it to, uh, to put together the rankings. Again, an inexact science, but hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, you know, we get it pretty close to right most of the time. And based on the response that we get and, and feedback from the college coaches and the college coaches that, that seek out our, our thoughts and opinions on uh, some of these kids, I think we're doing a pretty decent job. So uh, so again, the 26 through 50 is out already on WSN. The 1 through 25 will be released tomorrow, Thursday morning. And uh, yeah, so check it out. Make sure you subscribe to WSN Extra if you haven't already. That's the only way to get that full information on all of the football player rankings, but also all the other basketball, uh, boys and girls basketball player rankings and, and some of the in-depth analysis that that uh, myself, Norbert Durst, Mark Miller do. Uh, WSN Extra is going to be your lifeblood, $49.95, the best, uh, best value that you'll find on any kind of media uh, in, uh, in anything you look at some of these other services or, or whatever, a lot of them are you know, twice as much as what we charge and offer half the stuff. And, and we offer uh, full coverage for all of the sports, not just one sport. So we, uh, we think it's a pretty good value, especially if you're any kind of high school sports fan that really is looking for that uh, in-depth information on either player rankings or conference previews, preseason information, playoff breakdowns, etc. cetera. Uh, we've got you covered on wisports.net. So Grab up that uh, WSN Extra subscription and uh, join in the fun. Again, we'll be back tomorrow already with a special edition, a special girls basketball playoff preview. Norbert Durst will join us. Uh, we'll get into all of the divisions. We'll look at some of the favorites, some of the uh, maybe surprises in the seedings. So stay tuned for that tomorrow on WSN. Until then, this has been a Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. You know, as we always say, you know, it's going to be playoff games, but we'll see you at a game.